Book Six, Chapter One of Henrietta Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Libby Gone. Henrietta Temple by Benjamin Disraeli. Book Six, Chapter One, which contains a remarkable change of fortune. Although Lord Montfort was now the received and recognized admirer of Miss Temple, their intended union was not immediate. Henrietta was herself averse from such an arrangement, but it was not necessary for her to urge this somewhat ungracious desire, as Lord Montfort was anxious that she should be introduced to his family before their marriage, and that the ceremony should be performed in his native country. Their return to England, therefore, was now meditated. The event was hastened by an extraordinary occurrence. Good fortune in this world, they say, is seldom single. Mr. Temple, at this moment, was perfectly content with his destiny easy in his own circumstances with his daughter's future prosperity about to be provided for by an union with the heir to one of the richest peerages in the kingdom he had nothing to desire his daughter was happy he entertained the greatest esteem and affection for his future son-in-law and the world went well with him in every respect it was in this fullness of happiness that destiny with its usual wild caprice resolved to gild refined gold and paint the lily and it was determined that Mr. Temple should wake one morning amongst the wealthiest commoners of England. There happened to be an old baronet, a great humorist, without any very near relations, who had been a godson of Mr. Temple's grandfather. He had never invited or encouraged any intimacy or connection with the Temple family, but he had always throughout life kept himself aloof from any acquaintance with them. Mr. Temple, indeed, had only seen him once, but certainly under rather advantageous circumstances. It was when Mr. Temple was minister at the German court, to which we have alluded, that Sir Temple Devereux was a visitor at the capital at which Mr. Temple was resident. The minister had shown him some civilities, which was his duty, and Henrietta had appeared to please him. But he had not remained long in this place, and refused at the time to be more than their ordinary guest, and had never, by any letter, message, or other mode of communication, conveyed to them the slightest idea that the hospitable minister and his charming daughter had dwelt a moment on his memory. And yet Sir Temple Devereux had now departed from the world, where it had apparently been the principal object of his career to avoid ever making a friend, and had left the whole of his large fortune to the right honourable Pelham Temple, by this bequest proprietor of one of the finest estates in the county of York, and a very considerable personal property the accumulated savings of a large rental and a long life. This was a great event. Mr. Temple had the most profound respect for property. It was impossible for the late baronet to have left his estate to an individual who could more thoroughly appreciate its possession. Even personal property was not without its charms, but a large landed estate and a large landed estate in the county of York, and that large landed estate flanked by a good round sum of three per cent., consuls duly recorded in the rotunda of Threadneedle Street. It was a combination of wealth, power, consideration, and convenience, which exactly hit the ideal of Mr. Temple, and to the fascination of which, perhaps, the taste of few men would be insensible. Mr. Temple, being a man of family, had none of the awkward embarrassments of a parvenu to be contended with. It was the luckiest thing in the world, he would say, that poor Sir Temple was my godfather's godson, not only because in all probability it attained us his fortune, but because he bore the name of Temple, so we shall settle down in Yorkshire scarcely as strangers, we shall not be looked upon as a new family, and in a little time the whole affair will be considered rather one of inheritance than bequest. 
but after all what is it to me it is only for your sake digby that i rejoice i think it will please your family i will settle everything immediately on henrietta they shall have the gratification of knowing that their son is about to marry the richest heiress in england the richest heiress in england henrietta temple the richest heiress in england how many feelings with that thought arise strange to say the announcement of this extraordinary event brought less joy than might have been supposed to the heiress herself it was in her chamber and alone that henrietta temple mused over this freak of destiny it was in vain to conceal it her thoughts recurred to ferdinand they might have been so happy why was he not true and perhaps he had sacrificed himself to his family Perhaps even personal distress had driven him to the fatal deed. Her kind feminine fancy conjured up every possible extenuation of his dire offence. She grew very sad. She could not believe that he was false at Ducy. Oh, no, she could never believe it. He must have been sincere. And if sincere, oh, what a heart was lost there! What would she not have given to have been the means of saving him from all his sorrows? She recalled his occasional melancholy, his desponding words, and how the gloom left his brow and his eye brightened when she fondly prophesied that she would restore the house she might restore it now and now he was at another's and she what was she a slave like him no longer her own mistress at the only moment she had the power to save him say what they like there is a pang in bulk affection for which no wealth power or place watchful indulgence or sedulous kindness can compensate ah the heart the heart. End of Book Six, Chapter One.